Chapter Seventeen of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter Seventeen. Mr. Chuck's opinion of proper names. He finishes his Spanish talk. March of intellect among the warrant officers. We were all delighted when our signal was hoisted to part company, as we anticipated plenty of prize money under such an enterprising captain. We steered for the French coast, near to its junction with Spain, the captain having orders to intercept any convoy sent to supply the French army with stores and provisions. The day after we parted company with the fleet, Mr. Chucks finished his story. "'Where was I, Mr. Simple, when I left off?' said he, as we took a seat upon the long eighteen. You had just left the house after having told them that you were a corregidor, and had kissed the lady's hand. Very true. Well, Mr. Simple, I did not call there for two or three days afterwards. I did not like to go too soon, especially as I saw the young lady every day in the plaza. She would not speak to me, but to make use of their expression, she gave me her eyes, and sometimes a sweet smile. I recollect I was so busy looking at her one day that I tripped over my sword, and nearly fell on my nose, at which she burst out laughing. "'Your sword, Mr. Chucks? I thought bosuns never wore swords.' "'Mr. Simple, a bosun is an officer, and is entitled to a sword, as well as the captain, although we have been laughed out of it by a set of midshipman monkeys. I always wore my sword at that time, but nowadays a bosun is counted as a nobody, unless there is hard work to do, and then it's Mr. Chucks this and Mr. Chucks that but i'll explain to you how it is mr simple that we boatswains have lost so much of consequence and dignity the first lieutenants are made to do the boatswain's duty nowadays and if they could only wind the call they might scratch the boatswain's name off half the ship's books in his majesty's service but to go on with my yarn on the fourth day i called with my handkerchief full of cigars for the father but he was at siesta as they called it the old serving woman would not let me in at first but I shoved a dollar between her skinny old fingers, and that altered her note. She put her old head out and looked round to see if there was anybody in the street to watch us, and then she let me in and shut the door. I walked into the room and found myself alone with Serafina. Serafina? What a fine name! No name can be too fine for a pretty girl or a good frigate, Mr. Simple. I was three hours with Serafina before her father came home, and during that time... I never was quietly at an anchor for above a minute. I was on my knees, vowing and swearing, kissing her feet, kissing her hand, till at last I got to her lips, working my way up as regularly as one who gets in at the hawse hole and crawls aft to the cabin windows. She was very kind, and she smiled and sighed and pushed me off, and squeezed my hand, and was angry, frowning till I was in despair, and then making me happy again with her melting dark eyes, beaming kindly till at last she said that she would try to love me and asked me whether i would marry her and live in spain i replied that i would and indeed i felt as if i could only at the time the thought occurred to me where the rhino was to come from for i could not live as her father did upon a paper cigar and a piece of melon per day at all events as far as words went it was a settled thing when her father came home, the old servant told him that I had just at that moment arrived, and that his daughter was in her own room. And so she was, 
for she ran away as soon as she heard her father knock i made my bow to the old gentleman and gave him the cigars he was serious at first but the sight of them put him into a good humour and in a few minutes donna seraphina they call a lady a donna in spain came in saluting me ceremoniously as if we had not been kissing for the hour together i did not remain long as it was getting late so i took a glass of the old gentleman's sour wine and walked off with a request from him to call again well mr simple i met her again and again until i was madly in love and the father appeared to be aware of what was going on and to have no objection however he sent for a priest to talk with me and i again said that i was a good catholic the priest asked me whether i had confessed lately i knew what he meant and answered that i had not he motioned me down on my knees but as i could not speak spanish enough for that i mumbled jumbled something or another half spanish and half english and ended with putting four dollars in his hand for carita which means charity he was satisfied at the end of my confession whatever he might have been at the beginning and gave me absolution and now sir comes the winding up of this business seraphina told me that she was going to the opera with some of her relations and asked me if i would be there that the captain of the frigate and all the other officers were going and that she wished me to go with her you see mr simple although seraphina's father was so poor that a mouse would have starved in his house still he was of good family and connected with those who were much better off he was a don himself and had fourteen or fifteen long names which i forget now i refused to go with her as i knew that the service would not permit a boatswain to sit in an opera box when the captain and first lieutenant were there i told her that i had promised to go on board to look after the men while the captain went on shore thus as you'll see mr simple making myself a man of consequence only to be mortified in the end after she had gone to the opera i was very uncomfortable i was afraid that the captain would see her and take a fancy to her i walked up and down outside until i was so full of love and jealousy that i determined to go into the pit and see what she was about i soon discovered her in a box with some other ladies and with them were my captain and first lieutenant the captain who spoke the language well was leaning over her talking and laughing and she was smiling at what he said i resolved to leave immediately lest she should see me and discover that i had told her a falsehood but they appeared so intimate that i became so jealous i could not quit the theatre at last she perceived me and beckoned her hand i looked very angry and i left the theatre cursing like a madman it appeared that she pointed me out to the captain and asked him who i was he told her my real situation on board and spoke of me with contempt she asked whether i was not a man of family at this the captain and the first lieutenant both burst out laughing and said that i was a common sailor who had been promoted to a higher rank for good behaviour not exactly an officer and anything but a gentleman in short mr simple i was blown upon and although the captain said more than was correct as i learnt afterwards through the officers still i deserved it determined to know the worst i remained outside till the opera was over when i saw her come out the captain and first lieutenant walking with the party so that i could not speak with her i walked to a posada that's an inn and drank seven bottles of risolio to keep myself quiet then i went on board and the second lieutenant who was the commanding officer put me under arrest for being intoxicated it was a week before i was released and you can't imagine what i suffered mr simple at last i obtained leave to go on shore and i went to the house to decide my fate the old woman opened the door and then calling me a thief slammed it in my face 
as i retreated donna seraphina came to the window and waving her hand with a contemptuous look said go and god be with you mr gentleman i returned on board in such a rage and if i could have persuaded the gunner to have given me a ball cartridge i should have shot myself through the head what made the matter worse i was laughed at by everybody in the ship for the captain and first lieutenant had made the story public well mr chucks replied i i cannot help being sorry for you although you certainly deserve to be punished for your dishonesty was that the end of the affair as far as i was concerned it was mr simple but not as respected others the captain took my place but without the knowledge of the father after all they neither had great reason to rejoice at the exchange how so mr chucks what do you mean why mr simple the captain did not make an honest woman of her as i would have done and the father discovered what was going on and one night the captain was brought on board run through the body we sailed immediately for gibraltar and it was a long while before he got round again did you ever hear any more of the young lady yes about a year afterwards i returned there in another ship she had been shut up in a convent and forced to take the veil oh mr simple if you knew how i love that girl i have never been more than polite to a woman since and she'll die a bachelor you can't think how i was capsized the other day when i looked at that house i have hardly touched beef or pork since and am in debt two quarts of rum more than my allowance we gained our station off the coast of perpignan and as soon as we made the land we were most provokingly driven off by a severe gale i am not about to make any remarks about the gale for one storm is so like another but i mention it to account for a conversation which took place and with which i was very much amused i was near to the captain when he sent for mr muddle the carpenter who had been up to examine the main topsail yard which had been reported as sprung well mr muddle said the captain sprung sir most decidedly but i think we'll be able to mitigate it will you be able to secure it for the present mr muddle replied the captain rather sharply we'll mitigate it sir in half an hour i wish that you would use common phrases when you speak to me mr muddle i presume by mitigate you mean to say that you can secure it do you mean so sir or do you not yes sir that is what i mean most decidedly i hope no offence captain savage but i did not intend to displease you by my language very good mr muddle replied the captain it's the first time that i have spoken to you on the subject recollect that it will be the last the first time replied the carpenter who could not forget his philosophy i beg your pardon captain savage you found just the same fault with me on this quarter-deck twenty-seven thousand six hundred and seventy-two years ago and if i did mr muddle interrupted the captain very angrily depend upon it that at the same time i ordered you to go aloft and attend to your duty instead of talking nonsense on the quarter-deck and although as you say you and i cannot recollect it if you did not obey that order instantaneously i also put you in confinement and oblige you to leave the ship as soon as she returned to port do you understand me sir i rather think sir replied the carpenter humbly touching his hat and walking to the main rigging that no such thing took place for i went up immediately as i do now and continued the carpenter who was incurable as he ascended the rigging as i shall again in another twenty seven thousand six hundred and seventy two years that man is incorrigible with his confounded nonsense observed the captain to the first lieutenant every mast in the ship would go over the side provided he could get any one to listen to his ridiculous theory he's not a bad carpenter sir replied the first lieutenant he's not 
rejoined the captain. "'But there is a time for all things. "'Mr. Simple, what are you about, sir?' "'I was listening to what you said,' I replied, touching my hat. "'I admire your candor, sir.' replied he but advise you to discontinue the practice walk over to leeward sir and attend to your duty when i was on the other side of the deck i looked round and saw the captain and first lieutenant both laughing End of chapter seventeen